Hey everyone, what is up and welcome to the Lifestyle Lifters Show. I'm your host, your online transformation coach, Adrian McDonald, here to help you look, feel and perform better without restrictive dieting. And today I have Daniel Davy on. Daniel Davy, he's been someone whose content I've been following way back since probably 2014. Who is Daniel Davy? He's a performance nutritionist, a best-selling author and former performance nutritionist with both Dublin GA and Leinster Rugby. And that is a quite a small part of our overall conversation. Dan's actual overall experience working with Dublin, working with Leinster GA, what a typical day is eating, what a match schedule would look like. But on top of this, Dan actually just speaks about the importance of developing a better mindset around food. Food will always be there. So your relationship with food, the experience that it creates, that we got to actually connect with that, understand that, what ticks us over, what keeps us going, and being able to just prepare ourselves as best as possible for whatever situation that we encounter. So that is a big part of today's episode. It's actually a lot on the mindset around food, rather than specifically talking about the quote-unquote best forms of food. So without further ado, I really do hope that you enjoy this week's episode with Daniel Davey. And if you do, please leave a review and please leave a rating. It takes less than 10 seconds to do. You can even do it while you're listening, but it it does go a long way because the only way podcasts go grow generally is through word of mouth. Now, without further ado, here is this week's episode with performance nutritionist Daniel Davey. I hope you do enjoy. Daniel Davey, performance nutritionist and best-selling author. Welcome to the Lifestyle Lifters Show. Thanks for being here, Dan. Uh, it's absolute pleasure. Delighted to be here on this lovely Friday afternoon. <laughs> Daniel, before we get you to share your backstory, Dan, share something about yourself that most of your followers do not know. Uh, I, I think about that. A lot. Uh, no, I, I really do. I think I have I have a very expressive mindset and I have an incredibly open mindset. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that I could find myself in a situation, I believe, anywhere. And <laughs> it could be trying new food. It could be in a theater. It could be at a performance. It could be just something that might feel very uncomfortable and I'm very much at ease with that. So uh, I think I'm, I'm very open, but I'm also incredibly childish. <laughs> In childish slash, ch- ch- slash funny, Dan, I'm, I'm not sure which way you want to frame that, but uh, interesting. <laughs> well, I have a very simple, I have a very simple uh, sense of humor. Like I'm very much, I love to mess around and, roll around and to dance and just to you know that, that that like nothing makes me happier now we have a little bit of uh, synthetic grass at the back of the house there's nothing makes me happier now than when my little girl comes home uh, and we go out there and we just tumble around the place and play ball and I, I I see the same Dan on your IG stories when you're back home in Sligo as well. You you you've done out an icy yard in the back of the house. Yeah, we actually have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's you're, deadly. You were like a child at Christmas there. I think was it the weekend before last when you were coming home to see it. Well, home is home. 
and yeah. uh, it brings around uh, brings about a great uh, calmness yeah. and uh, it's the other thing is like anybody who's been brought up on a farm they always want to feel like things are progressing you know that yeah. field has a few less rushes in it <laughs> or there's a better fence on the field up along the neighbors that kind of thing absolutely and, and let, let's kind of segue into that Dan because obviously you're a performance nutritionist but you know it all began back home in Sligo um growing up you would have been playing GEA you you went to UCD in Dublin you studied like science so just share share a little Dan about your backstory and how and how it all began for you yeah I I was very very fortunate to grow up and be a part of a very loving uh, it's, it's funny I mentioned open I, I was in a very supportive open home and it you know my 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 dad and my parents and grandparents were all farmers they all had they, they had gardens where they produced their own potatoes and cabbage and yeah. they had their own cows and produced their own milk and that was just life that was just normal uh, it was normal that food was that your breakfast was cooked that you had your boiled eggs, that bread was baked during the day, that uh, dinner was made up of, of food from that garden and local produce. And, and, and that's, that was life. And I think it, it, it evolved and uh, it, it's a combination of a lot of things. You know, I remember standing in my grandmother's kitchen at the age of seven, trying to understand what is it that makes you strong? What egg is it that makes you fast? And I, I put the two things, you know, nutrition and, and training together and, and, and those being important for those outcomes at a very young age. Yeah. And that just kind of sparked, a, sparked an interest and that you've obviously followed through ever since. Yeah. Uh, so if I look at life right now, it's a combination of sport. Uh, and food and family and uh, th th those are you know those are things that are never going to change uh, yeah. it'll always be a mix of those absolutely yeah yeah and obviously Dan you know you, you would have obviously played GA as well um, you would have studied Dan is it in, in UCD and you initially you initially took an ag science course that's right I did ag science for my undergraduate and I didn't I had no idea what I wanted to do when I left school it was either try and find some way into sports, try and find some way into farming or even become a vet. At one time I played around with the idea of going on and doing medicine. Um, but during that time in ag science, uh, the understanding of food and the value of food and nutrition really evolved. And I had friends who were studying in the UK. So I decided yeah. to go that path. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. And, and, and Dan, let's just kind of share. So share a bit more about your current position because, you know, you're a performance nutritionist, Dan. So for someone out there who's a listener and who's not fully hundred percent sure what a performance nutritionist even means, what, how would you answer that question? I actually shared the question yesterday on my story. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and it was amazing the amount of answers that are associated with things like fueling, uh, supplements, athletes, uh, it's, things like restrictive came up. Yeah. Um, it, it's this idea that performance nutrition is purely associated with athletic populations. 
Yeah. Whereas performance nutrition is about understanding what is the patterns of eating, the time and the type of food that allows you to perform at your potential and and really recognize how if I eat what type of food, how will this make me feel and how can I be at my best? So performance nutrition is really about helping people understand that. And I don't use, I never use the word fuel anymore, but yet it's very closely connected to how people think. It's, it's much more, it's much deeper than that. It's about a feeling. It's about a recognition of its value. And it's about people in whatever walk of life they do, everyday performance, being able to excel. So for someone, for someone, Dan, whether they are an athlete, then whether they're a busy working professional, what are some kind of general guidelines and tips that you would give for someone who just wants to perform to their best, whether it is on the pitch, whether it is at work, just in their family life, in their relationships, what would you say are some underlying principles that, you know, that, that most people should try to abide by? Well, the first part of it is about recognizing the demands on you as a person, the demands on you physically, the demands on you from a time perspective. What, where are the things in your week and in your days where you need to be at your best? Yeah. And if you can think about those and recognize uh, if 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 your meals and if your food is structured in such a way for you to be at your best in those moments then it's then about recognizing that through reflective practice wow if i have my breakfast at 10 o'clock and it's porridge or it's eggs or it's toast and avocado or it's overnight oats and that makes me feel good I really notice I'm very productive in the morning between 10 o'clock and one o'clock. If I eat that way, that's performance nutrition. That's where you're recognizing the value of the food, the value of the food combination, the timing of that food, and then how it's making you feel. I love that approach. I absolutely. And that's just something, Dan, that I've actually been myself just more conscientious of. Um, for instance, I know, I like to have carbs post-workout, but if I have carbs around lunchtime, I just can sometimes feel a bit sluggish, feel a small bit lethargic. So I opt for something like a high protein, high fiber meal. And then I feel I'm better able to concentrate, better able to work. And, and as we're talking on this podcast, I just literally had an omelet with lots of veggies, um, lots of eggs, egg whites, and, and I just feel better. So just, I guess, Dan, being in alignment with how foods make you feel and then as you said, stacking up those foods so that you're having them around the right time when, when your performance is at its most important. Yeah, and I think what is really relevant here is that there's a lot talked about, oh, well, that works for me. And that's, a you know, that's a nutrition is very individualized. And I feel like an awful lot of these things almost they almost take away from paying very close attention to what actually does work. And within nutrition, there needs to be a very high level of self-awareness. And that's difficult because self-awareness is not something we build into our practice. It's very hectic. Our lives are very fast paced. Everybody says they're short on time. So what I'm talking about is simple things like that omelet might work absolutely brilliant for you or I, but it might be a, 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 a carbohydrate 
yeah. based meal that is a mix of rice and pasta or potatoes for somebody else because Absolutely. because at five o'clock they've got a training session you know or they're not going to be able to get that carbohydrate meal in later in the day that's their only opportunity yeah. so it, there's lots of different parts of it but it's that attention to yeah. to to the food and to your decisions and you know the how food makes you feel is another absolute critical thing that just feels like we've drifted from what that actually really means that it's just we kind of brush over it now wow wow that's a yeah absolutely absolutely fully fully agree with everything you mentioned there dan and just kind of going off that you kind of mentioned that your your overall even in your book the, the first book eat up raise your game you have like a kind of five strong beliefs around nutrition dan so would you mind just sharing like what your overall nutrition philosophy is like you mentioned you know valuing food learning how to cook um making sure that it's enjoyable that it's tasty can you just talk us through some of those some of those strong um principles dan that you abide by i think you've nearly listed them all there <laughs> you don't, uh, you, you uh you have it off um well this is what I've recognized. It's that we all need to have values in our home around lifestyle and health in general. And it doesn't just stop around nutrition. So we have sleep values. We have sustainability values. Uh, we have values around movement, how we want as well as say how tidy our house is <laughs> it's not a strong enough value of mine it just genuinely isn't you know that's the truth but when you think about food my my you know my attention really narrows and yeah. it's that food is not wasted yeah uh, food is treated with respect uh, food is valued it is social it is shared it is positive that there is no negative language associated with this. It's not about restriction. It's not about guilt. And if you're clear about what your values are around any of these things, it makes life an awful lot more simple. And you set your life up and yourself, you set your kitchen and your home up in a way that reflects that. That's why mine is so messy. <laughs> but, 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 but wow, Dan, you mentioned that that's such an powerful point there. You mentioned about not having any negative associations or guilt around it. And I just feel that's something that a lot of people and myself included have had challenges with in the past. Dan. so, you know, for, for someone who, who gets nervous eating out at a restaurant or if there's some social event coming up and they kind of are in panic mode as to, not wanting to fall off the wagon what how would you how would you phrase or structure that conversation Dan? what advice would you give i have just spent uh, an hour and 40 minutes with a client um before this podcast talking about this specifically and oh. uh so it's um <laughs> it's very close to the surface and normally my sessions with anyone are 50 minutes or maximum an hour so there was a lot of there was a lot of things to break down and there's a lot of things to get through and the the truth of it is that social eating is the tip of the iceberg it's the very very small element that we yeah. obsess about 
that in the grand context of how we eat throughout the week is is next to irrelevant. So, yeah. you know, I asked this very same question and we broke it down into eating out versus social eating and the social eating at, with your wife or friend or partner or whoever it might be. It happens maybe twice a month and that is there to be enjoyed. If you to think about that over the course of a year, you know, what is that? It's like just 20 meals whereas you do need to make good consistent choices in your home and you need to reflect on what's effective for you and yes of course when you're out and about and you're moving and you're traveling it's better to be prepared but you know you can't rely on what you find in those convenience stores and things like that but bring it back to the to the key point, it's about your self-talk and it's about recognizing that on Friday, I'm going out with Sharon or James or John, and I'm totally committed to that experience. That is going to be my opportunity to share. There's whatever is on the menu I'm going to have. There's no checking the menu or wondering if there's this or that. And it's, um, it's a process. And you need to commit to it. And it's over the course of time, you begin to recognize how good it feels to let go and how good it feels to share that experience and have it, have that food for what it really is. Wow. Wow. And I guess, as you said, when you think about it, even if you're eating out every weekend, four meals a day, seven days of the week, 28 meals in the week. You know, if you're just worried about that one single meal, as you said, it's 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 about the experience too, because that that is one of your philosophies. That food it brings people together. It allows you to share experience. So absolutely, that that's awesome, Dan. That is awesome. And and tell me then, Dan, just kind of segueing off that, um, what would you say just from your your current practice, like, what are some of the most common misconceptions that people actually do have done? I know there's, there's a lot of them, but what are just some of the most common ones that you come across on a weekly basis around food? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to know where to start uh, because what I've noticed is that everybody has something. So everybody will have something in their mind every single conversation I have around nutrition, somebody has a preconceived idea of what works and what doesn't work, but they've just made it up or they read it in a magazine or it's something that somebody told them. So it could be, it could be based around something as simple as wheat, you know, or dairy or eggs and what we want to do. And the way our brains work is that we really do want to simplify things. We want to say, I need to cut the bread out or I, oh, it's the milk or it's that yogurt or it's low fat or it's, but, but food is not black or white. Yeah. Food, food, as you said, I'm trying to, it's all of the habits associated with food that really matter. There's, um, there's an absolutely, uh, incredible video that I shared only last week uh, with Michael Pollan and he talks about cooking and the experience of cooking everything that's associated with cooking and you know we know all of the information but yet it's the way he expresses 
the value of the act, how we control what's in there. We eat more fiber. We eat more food that has more nutrients. We use less additives. We use less sugar. We use less salt. We use less oil. The overall experience causes another cascade of positive behaviors. So it's the, the ownership and it is about the mindset associated with this versus you just get a pizza or you just get that takeaway and it's gone. And there's the rituals that have this almost meditative uh, uh, effect on our brains that we're removing. You know, we're removing that element of preparation that's associated with being present. And for someone so, Dan, who you're, you're a busy working professional and you do enjoy to cook and you want to eat, you know, good nutrient-dense food, you don't want to just be stopping in a McDonald's or Supermax on the way home and, and grabbing the quick and convenient option. What would you say will be some tips for someone who might be kind of tight on time, but they, they still want to have that experience? They still do value their performance nutrition. They still want to eat, you know, good quality nutrient-dense food. Uh, it's about um, it, it looking at that bigger picture consistently. So, yeah. you know, I have, I'm on the road. Uh, I travel for events. I travel home. I golf with friends. There's plenty of times I get snookered and I have to get a bottle of water and a, a packet of almonds or a, a kind yeah. bar or something like that. Like I'm human. I'm not a robot. And there'll be times where I get a Coke Zero and a, a crappier protein bar. Now, I'm not picking up potatoes and I'm not picking yeah. up bars of chocolates, bars of chocolate, or I'm getting a, a, a sandwich, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not I, like, there is not a flicker in my mind where I think I shouldn't have done that. All I'm thinking about is I've had a good breakfast. Later, I'll have a good dinner and yeah. I'm moving. I'm constantly moving. So this, this whole thing, we, we, we're not looking for a perfect picture yeah. and if we search or we try and achieve a perfect picture we're going to always fall short yeah and would you say dan for some of the clients that you coach striving perf for perfection do you feel that's something that actually holds them back and and kind of creates going back to that guilt and shame that we spoke about previously most definitely and it's amazing how it manifests, you know, people begin to recognize that there's so much emotion wrapped up in food and food decisions. Yeah. And they begin to recognize, well, this is what it's all about. It's about helping people understand where good decisions from come from, how good decisions feel versus making a decision where it hasn't felt good. What was, why did it happen? What were the alternatives? What will we do next? And it's talking about through the, and, and the amazing thing is that I've never been in a situation with a person where they don't have the answers. Everyone has the solutions. Yeah. It's just that reflective practice done, something that we all need to think a bit more about. No. Here's the thing. It's not just thinking about it. Uh, it's no different to if I have shoulder pain or 
there's things that are outside of our control and are outside of yeah. our knowledge and our experience and our skill set. And this is the whole thing. You know, I, I do not mind saying right here, right now, that the conversations I have with my own team, I have a brilliant team of performance nutritionists, and the conversations that we have every week is people's perception of nutrition and how much they think they know about it. And my team always say, if people only knew the quality of conversations that they could be having, but it's, there's a block. There is a mental block to so many things around lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, you've you've left me with a lot of food for thought there as to how we can how we can kind of explore that more. So what would you say are just some of those blocks then, the most common challenges, I guess, Dan, that you come across then for, from just from clients you face every week? Uh, so it's it's critical to recognize that people People want easy solutions. They want a plan to follow. They want to be told what to do. They they will always think in very simple units. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. And it's about recognizing that unless you become empowered to create your own plan, that you know how you are going to spend your time during the week. You know your likes, you know your dislikes, you know the food that works, you know that does that don't. I see some of the most successful sports people and business people who are not willing to divert the kind of energy that they put into their career and other aspects yeah. of their life that that they could get they could add years to their career. They could add endless percentages to their performance but it just becomes it's they're getting by with what they're doing and the uncomfortable feeling of not knowing and doing that hard work it puts a lot of people off yeah and and the thing as well Dan is for for a lot of those individuals you speak of they're they're up they're just used to operating at that level and they actually don't realize how much better that they could potentially operate. And they could be high operators. They could be busy working professionals, good athletes, as you were saying, but they're actually leaving, you know, so much more on the table there because they're not tapping into, as you said, the power of, of just performance nutrition. But Dan, I just, I'd like to segue slightly because obviously you've just recently, um, you know, and you would have been doing it for years, coaching Dublin GA and, and obviously Linster Rugby. So Dan, would you mind just sharing a bit about your role with both of those teams and 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 just everything that was included in your in your job? Yeah, so it's very easy to describe what I did, and it's very easy to kind of give you uh, a rundown of a schedule or a typical week or a typical day, and go, "This was the job description." Uh, it's very hard to explain in depth what it felt like because of the I suppose how how well connected and how far-reaching the relationships were so 
you know, they're, they're, I suppose they're two different things. I mean, ultimately, the job is about education and upskilling people in the space of lifestyle and nutrition. And it's helping athletes to structure their meals in a way that would allow them to train and perform at their best, achieve body composition goals, increasing lean mass, uh, you know, dropping body fat, improving strength, power, speed. I managed all of the food uh, around games, uh, the food that was provided, the catering, the recipes. There, you know, I yeah. was a part of all of the the yeah. meetings day to day, week to week with management. But I suppose I, I at some point I don't know if I'm going to write about it or I'm going to record something on it. But um, this is the first time I've kind of really expressed it. There's something that I would define as the space between. And that's what really influences performance. And it's the it's where you show compassion and care. And it's where you're connected to the person at their really low points, whether they're injured or sick or they get dropped. Yeah. And that you can pick them up or that you can be there during those difficult phases. Um, and it's... It's about figuring out in other ways how to make people feel good and recognizing the person as much as possible. Yeah. Wow. What, what were, just for you then, Dan, what were some of your personal highlights over the years? I know you've had loads. Um, I think I'm going to go right to the very end because it's probably recent, but... I think, you know, professional sport, elite sport is cutthroat. It is unbelievably ruthless. Yeah. And it's about serving the group. You know, yeah. it's about serving the team. And I was totally, totally fine with that and recognized from a very early stage that, you know, unless you're contributing and unless you're, you're performing and the group are giving themselves yeah. a chance to win, that's what mattered most. Yeah. But something that was incredibly fulfilling is that I really do feel that I've left both environments in a better place. You know, yeah. I set a clarity around what the expectations should be for nutrition. Yeah. And I get, you know, and, and my relationships are still very much intact. Um, yeah. So you can't always say that in sports, you know, yeah. it's, uh, I could meet any one of those athletes at any point and I would feel I could have that pint or that coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And Dan, you mentioned you were in charge of the catering. You were in charge of, you know, you, you kind of, you, you took charge of all, of all of those um, elements. So what would, we'll just say like typical kind of match week, what, what would be some of the, the most typical meals that you would have, you would have recommended the catering company to, to prepare? Sure. So, Players would come in, uh, so the training would be Monday, Tuesday, down day, uh, down day Wednesday, train Thursday, and then if the game was Saturday for rugby, you'd have um, captain's run. But yeah. if it was it was for Dublin, you wouldn't train the day before the game. And the, the big thing is recognizing the peak days where most energy was being expended, which would normally be 
Monday, Tuesday, and to a lesser extent, Thursday. So good structure on the meals, which would mean breakfast, uh, pre and post workout snack, which is often an, a recovery drink. Uh, breakfast would normally be, it could be eggs, yeah, eggs and toast, pancakes, overnight oats. Players would bring their overnight oats or bring their own homemade granola, things like that regularly. Uh, there's always fruit on site. There's a blender for, for people to make their own recovery drinks and smoothies. And then in terms of, uh, we would call it refuel. Um, the, the players had a lot of input on this, but it would be everything from fish dishes. Uh, you, we would have um, uh, prawn stir fries, pasta bake. Uh, burgers were a big hit. They love burgers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bacon and cabbage. Uh, some of the lads absolutely loved bacon and cabbage. Uh, and then things like spaghetti and meatballs. Uh, lots of rice dishes. Uh, but it was dishes that the, the most important thing was that it, they were flavorsome and easy to consume and that it wasn't yeah. chunky pieces of meat. Gotcha. 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 Not the chunky piece of meat. Okay. Okay. And, and, and Dan, just kind of asking more then about yourself and your current practice. I know a couple of years ago now, Dan, um, you would have obviously had the name or rebranded from Food Flicker to to now Davy Nutrition. Yes. So do, do you mind me asking, Dan, was there a particular reason behind that? Or, you know, what, what was what were? Yeah, I guess what was the reason behind that? There are so many. Uh, the main reason was Food Flicker was. Food Flicker was an idea that came about from food and movement and photos. So the idea was <laughs> give people meal ideas in a very simplified way through imagery. So Food Flicker. So the yeah. idea was, and that was back in 2012. Yeah. What I do, there's there's 12 strands to the business. Um, I'm not going to go into all of them, but they're based around <laughs> education. They're based around collaboration. Uh, they're based around uh, corporate and team sport nutrition. And then it's my own nutrition platform. Yeah. Two key things I recognized. My name is important. Yeah. And being a person over a brand or over a concept is important, particularly in the Irish market. And uh, if you be, if you want people to remember you and you want people to be connected to something that's more than just an entity or just more than a, a brand, uh, I want to put my name to it. Uh, so the, the business evolved into something completely different than just foods, photos. Yeah. And the aim was to really scale under my own name now, the name is less important from the point of view of it being about me. That's not what it's about, but it is about what it represents. Absolutely. Absolutely. That you're, yeah, you're that real person. You're, you're, the, you're, you're the image behind the brand, as you said. And tell me then, Dan, I know, um, obviously, I have your, your book. It's, it's unbelievable. Eat up, raise your game. Um, what I just love about your content is it's just everyday foods that you pick up in the supermarket. You know, there's... 
in the best possible way there, there's nothing you know you wouldn't have to go too far out of your way to get just for those ingredients they're very like just real helpful whole food foods but tell me dan you currently have a, a new book coming out um and it's it's available for pre-order and it's called eat up the next level um mm. who who is who is this book for dan yeah uh the simple answer is that it's for competitive people. It's for people who are competitive with themselves and people who want to understand nutrition on another level. It's another level of detail, but it really talks to people about mindset, consistency and relationship with food yeah. and recognizing the value of nutrition. So I've give insights from working with professional athletes and a lot of my own reflection. Wow. Wow. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, and tell me, Dan, just kind of looking forward then, obviously you've that book coming out. Is there anything else you're currently working on or something, anything else you're, you're looking forward to? Yeah. Um, so the one of my things that you know so it was one of my challenges or one of the things I, I need to manage is I have a very creative mind and even like last night I had to get out of bed at one o'clock in the morning and write oh, some stuff down because my head is spinning around ideas and yeah, yeah. so my my head <laughs> around content ideas business ideas yeah they're all there uh, but one of the things that's really important to me is to be is to make information accessible in a way that I feel a lot of people miss the point. Yeah. And I want to make nutrition really, really accessible. I want to help people connect to it. So um, I'm running my first in-person event on the 20th of August at home in Sligo at the Foot and Knock Machine. And the idea of it is to that people will connect to the experience and as well as what you can learn. And, you know, I, I originally planned to do the event in Dublin um, in somewhere like uh, the sports campus uh, in Abbottstown, but I realized the value of what is in my own home and how important that is to me. And, I, and I, so that is going to be my first event. We walk, we share insights, we have coffee together, make smoothies, make some food together. And then we're going to do some really, really interactive breakout sessions to understand the meaning of health performance mindset and building good habits. And I'm going to do another um, concept next year in Portugal, train like a professional athlete uh, for three days. Wow. So I want to give people the opportunity to really experience what it's like to be fully immersed in that type of environment from a food training mindset, sleep, environment, fully immersive experience so i'm trying my absolute best to make nutrition and this information that i've experienced working in some of the best sporting environments in the world as accessible as possible wow wow and that's again going back to where it all started that's one of your principles and i know in the book like just chunking down the, the the science and just making it easily to consume and access as you said just to the general pop dan that's been awesome that's awesome um dan i just want to finish up with a couple of rapid fire um so we'll just start out what's one you have it dan that you've implemented in the last in the last year 
One new habit. Uh, I have become much more effective at uh, mobility and Pilates, and I've I've I really feel the benefit of this. I have a long term neck injury, and it's incredible when you're consistent with prevention of the onset of that pain versus the treatment <laughs> of that. I love it. Uh, best book you've read, Dan, besides your own, of course, in the last six months. <laughs> okay. The first one I'm going to mention because of the impact it had on some of my relationships is um, it's a zoo around here. Okay. And it's a book about personality traits uh, that are broken up into animals so you've yes. got have you heard about this concept i haven't no yeah so the idea is so personality insights you've heard yellow blue yeah green, yeah red so yellow is a monkey um green is a dolphin for for empathetic uh, uh a lion is a lion is red and what the book does you can read the book in in less than an hour but what connected for me was how people receive information. And I found it from a communication perspective, I really, it really helped me to frame communication within certain relationships. Uh, And it took a lot of pressure off. So that's one. And then the other one I have to mention uh, is, um, I don't even, which should I mention? Uh, But but, okay, The Power of Habit and Black Box Thinking are the two books that have re I've gone back to repeatedly. Haven't read Black Box things and thinking, but I absolutely love the power habit. Charles, Charles Duhigg. Yep. Brilliant book. Brilliant yep. book. Um okay, Dan, when you hear the word successful, who's the first person that comes to mind? Uh do you know what? Um I'll, I'll tell you who came to mind, but I, uh, I don't know if it fully represents what, what people might think. So, and, and also, obviously, it's very, very raw. But my dad lived a very simple life, but left an incredible legacy because of the relationships that he left behind and because of the amount of people he, he helped. Yeah. So I think about my dad from a success point of view because... Yeah, he hasn't left. He hasn't left any pain. Yeah, uh, he's only left. He's only left love, and um, help and support. And wow, you know, I, I think that that's the more that I go on in time. Um, it's not about all Ireland's, and yeah. it's not about champions cups or money. Yeah. It's about the quality of the relationships he had. And, yeah. you know, he had very, very, very good quality relationships. The everyday hero. Mm. Okay. Um, final two, Dan. What, what do you feel is the most underrated gym exercise that you feel most people should do more of? <laughs> right. This is very biased. <laughs> I love a chin up. And I, I love it. Yeah, I just think <laughs> there's an awful lot can be like I I would tie my chin up strength and reps closely to my overall level of fitness. 
and I know that if I'm repping well on a chin yeah. up, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a good, I'm in a good enough place. And yeah, I think they're, they're so accessible. Yes. Yeah. I, there, there's actually studies that show that, you know, the number of chin ups you can do can actually correlate to sprint and speed. <laughs> so it's actually interesting the way you mentioned that final one, Dan, final rapid fire. What do you, what's one question you feel that people, you wish the people asked you more of? Uh, do you know who you are? I think that's the biggest thing. Even I don't get that many opportunities, but when I do get to that point with with a relationship, do do you really know yourself? Do you know who you are? Do you know what really makes you effective? We don't think about that enough. And um, I'm fascinated by it. Well, well done. <laughs> this has been incredible. Um, just first of all, I want to acknowledge you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, absolutely love everything you shared there about just creating that experience, making food simple, easy to understand, simple, helpful, whole food, re wholesome recipes, and just accessible for the general public. Um, Dan, for all our listeners out there, what are just one to three takeaways that you'd like them to implement after listening to this show? I, I suppose the big thing, you know, simplicity is something that's relevant to everybody. And it's it's only simple if you understand. It's like tying your shoes. <laughs> Trying to tie shoes if you don't know how, it's pretty complicated. You have to make all of the things that you do you, you have to accept some things are challenging, but you got to commit to them. And you got to, you, you also have to approach things like cooking or movement or sleep as an investment. Most people want to take wow. something away. They want to cut calories or they want to reduce the amount of this or sugar or whatever. Reframe it, reframe it into how am I adding? What's going in, not what are you taking out? And it's really and truly, if you go back to some of the messages from the likes of leaders in world lifestyle preventative medicine, like David Katz, walk enough, eat enough fruit and vegetables. Yeah. Don't, don't smoke, don't overconsume too much alcohol. You know, it's, don't get caught up in all of the noise. Yeah. Traction, not distraction. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Dan, because this is the Lifestyle Lifter show, the very, very last question, what is your definition of living a successful lifestyle? I think it's, it's being able to look at each person um, that's important to you in the eye and know that you've committed fully to that relationship and that you've you've done right by them whether that be your mother or your brother or your daughter and you know sometimes that balance is difficult because if I think about myself and I think about how driven and how competitive I am if if it was just about me, all I would do is work on my career and my own fitness but it's not you got to accept 
that uh, it's it's about other people. So the more you invest in other people, the better you'll be. Dan, thanks so much for your time. Um, really, really appreciate it. Often. I've been following your content uh, way back since the food flicker days, I would say. Probably, if I to put a year, <laughs> yeah. maybe 2013, maybe 2014. Wow. So wow, it's been... It, it was so great to, to meet you at Move at the Manor a couple of weeks ago and, and again in the Aviva as well. Uh, Paddy McCarthy too, we would have been on this podcast um, and obviously spoke great things about yourself, Dan. So yeah, listen, so Dan, for, for, for all of our listeners out there who want to learn more about Daniel Davey, about Davey Nutrition, um, where is the best place that people can learn more about you, what you offer and just your content? Yeah, and I suppose what's great now from my perspective is that it's not just about me. And I I didn't always know how good it would feel for it to be about my team, but I'm so proud of them as well. Uh, so you can learn more about Dave Nutrition, Daniel and my team, Heather and Eva and Gemma and Emma at davynutrition.com or at Dave Nutrition. And thank you again very much for having me. It's been it's been great. Perfect. Dan, thanks so much.